Welcome to Soberholic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome to Soberholic Podcast. My name is Roger, and I am happy to be with you today. You know, I kind of feel all by myself because I don't have Jason with me today. Jason has done a few shows on his own with guest speakers, but I have never been with you guys all by myself. Um, but I don't really feel like I'm completely by myself because we've got a special guest for you today. And, um, you know, I say that we have a lot of special guests, but this guy really has been very special in my life because not only has he just been a friend um, that we've actually done some really bucket list type things together with, um, he's also been my sponsor at, at a time. And so... Um, You know, as you'll hear from his story, you'll probably, if you put the math into it, you'll see that he has less time in sobriety, per se, than I do. Um, But the reason I asked him to be my sponsor was because he has so many traits in his life that I wanted to mirror in my life. And one thing I've learned uh, throughout recovery is if you want to become um, better at certain things, you need to put yourself around people who do those things. And and our, our guest tonight was one of those guys who has always been really slow to speak. And as you guys know, I am not that person. Now, I can say that I've gotten better at it over time, but it's, um, it's always a struggle. And that's, I think that's something that we all may struggle with, um, not necessarily being uh, slow to speak, but that we have those things that we struggle with constantly. And so um, my drugs and drinking are not the issue today. But it is keeping my mouth shut and being more aware of what others are saying and listening to them. And so I am pleased to introduce you to Alan DeMarco. And Alan, thank you for being on the show with us. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, Roger. So um, I was just introducing you um, to our guest. Um, You know, I don't know how much you followed our show because I I told everybody that you had been sponsoring me for quite a while or or that you did sponsor me for quite a while. And and today you're not my sponsor, but um, that's not because of of bad ways or any of those things. Um, Just things that went different ways for us, but we still keep in contact and do different things together. I mentioned to them one of the things that you and I have done and was a bucket list type thing together, and I didn't tell them what it is. Um, would you like to tell them what it is? Yeah, uh, you put us on, put us on a, uh, a crash course uh, training program to get ready for a marathon in about, uh, I don't know, seven or eight weeks. <laughs> it was longer than that, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the other guy that ran with us was about that far. Uh, I think Joey was on about a really like six or seven weeks. He pre-prepped for that whole marathon, and he felt it too, man. But, um, yeah, we did. We did that marathon together, and I know you've done some running afterwards. And Jason, who is normally our co-host on here with me, um, he still runs. Like He runs every morning still. And I literally got up this morning. I don't, do you still run? I bike now, uh, but exercise, I learned from running with you guys. Uh, group exercise is very therapeutic, but just exercise in general is very therapeutic. Yeah, I, I got up. I'm, I've been good to stay in the gym. Usually it's weights, and there's a little cardio. And during the quarantine stuff, I've done my bike some. But I was like, I really want to get out and just feel the burn in my legs again. So I, I ran at an outdoor track around here. Man, I ran two miles, and at the end of the first mile, I was like, how in the heck did I ever run 26 miles? I mean, and that wasn't that many years ago. I mean, that was, what, two or three years ago? 
Uh, it was February of 16 when we ran it, so four oh, years so ago. Four years ago. Uh, yeah, I can tell you, I've, I've gained a lot of weight since then, or it feels that way, and uh, I've lost a lot of endurance. So, anyways, I, I don't think I'm going to run another marathon anytime soon, but I'm going to keep exercising because, like you said, I, I believe that's one of those things I've got to put into my life, uh, and it helps me in my recovery. But um, as we talk about recovery, that's what we're here for today, and I want to talk. I want you to talk to our listeners about your recovery. Um, you know. I, I, I guess I'll just let you kind of introduce yourself of what you what you struggle with because our guests don't know that right now and rather me saying it and you shake your head yes I'd let I'd just rather you go ahead and introduce it and uh, just kind of start with where um, your journey began I don't I don't know well I do know but I want you to tell our listeners kind of where that began and um, board's yours yeah appreciate it um, for me uh, my drug of of, of dealing. Uh, with it, it's kind of I've learned a better definition of it but for years it was just pornography uh, for me but now being involved in uh, specifically a sexual addiction recovery program you know it, it's more uh, specified as sexual addiction and it can encompass a lot of things uh, but early on I mean through the recovery process I've learned the whys but early on in my life I really didn't know uh, why I was doing what I was doing so a lot of uh, isolation in, in my childhood and and a stern father. Um, I was exposed to uh, some dirty magazines with my uncle when I was about six years old, and uh, he was a few years older than me. And uh, a few years later, uh, there was a movie on TV, Late Night Cinemax, Friday Night Flicks, and, uh, you know, he began to masturbate in front of me, you know, and it took me a long time to realize that, you know, that was a form of uh, of uh, sexual abuse that was done to me. So, uh, you know, and I covered that up. But um, I guess when it really came into play, you know, I uh, had been struggled with a lot of other stuff or used a lot of other stuff, I guess, you know, smoked marijuana, uh, used cocaine, uh, drank in some capacity, uh, heavier at times for some years, but I could always, you know, kind of choose those things and, uh, was able to put most of that stuff away without any problem. But a pornography always became what I went back to. And, uh, about 2011, when I got introduced, uh, to you, um, and the celebrate recovery program, that's when that whole kind of journey began and, uh, began to, just wanted something done about it. It became something I was ashamed of, uh, felt guilty about, was really being convicted about, uh, but didn't really know how to fix it, but kept trying to, to fix it myself. And uh, it's just been a journey from that point on for the last uh, almost, I guess it would have been nine years in uh, April when you kicked off the uh, CR there in Concord. But uh, even, so. even with that, though, it wasn't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't so much about you looking to fix yourself then or work on your issues. It was more so about you coming to help fix those folks in the recovery program. You wanted to share a story. If I, if I remember, it was about a family member who struggled with alcoholism, right? Yeah. I had an uncle, I had an uncle, uh, very influential in my life and he struggled with alcohol. And, uh, you know, I, I think I had the whole, uh, Christian, you know, share the, share the, uh, the, uh, 
the good news and everything that I was being preached to. Hey, I got to do that. And I got this uncle that, you know, he's led me and it really helped me in my spiritual growth. And I got to share his story. And, you know, and I realized now that that was uh, codependency. I think if I, if I thought if I could fix you, then that would fix me. And right. Uh, so you're right. I did. I struggled first two or three years in there. Uh, I can't think of how many times you told me, Hey man, I got a step study coming up. You, you know, you, right. you want to get it. You want to get in on it? And I'm like, yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> It's, that's one thing I've always admired about how you entered um, recovery is that you came in not necessarily with an issue, but you hung around long enough to hear other people who were open with their issues to go, well, you know what? I, I got something going on too. And um, I use your example so much in recovery um, when I've talked to other people, especially that deal with sexual addictions, as I've talked to other groups as I've traveled around. And um, you, you, we, we – well, let me kind of sidetrack and say this. One time we had a guest come on here that struggled with sexual addiction. And um, he, t- he said that it's easier, it would be easier to be an alcoholic or a drug addict because it's more accepted inside the church than sexual addiction. And I was like, well, you know, that makes sense. Because at a time, you know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't even say you was an alcoholic. That would be shunned away. But now people, um, he made the point that as soon as you say that I struggle with sexual addiction, the first thought that people have is, oh, you must be a child molester. No, it has nothing to do with children, you know. Um, you know, someone could have that issue, but I know you personally, and that, that's not the issue. It's just the images and those other things of acting out. Um, but you, you shared inside of a group one time that, you know, hey, I'm Alan, and I struggle with um, sexual addiction. And um, I tell these other groups the same thing without saying your name because – None of the guys in our group had ever said anything about sexual addiction. It was always drug addiction, and it was always something to do with um, alcoholism and maybe an anger issue. But when you broke through that that Pandora's box or whatever and said, actually verbalized what other men were dealing with, the next week when everybody came in, there was like three other guys that said, yeah, I'm so-and-so, and I struggle with sexual addiction. So then it became okay to not be okay and to begin talking about those issues. Yeah, and the hard thing for me always was uh, I'm a black and white person uh, as far as my thinking goes. It was always all or nothing, and uh, it was hard to uh, to see anything in a gradual process. And sobriety always looked so hard, you know, because for for an alcohol or drug addict, you know, you know, you have not used, and you can track that, you know. And and so for me, you know, there were so many ways to try to, you know, talk myself out of it, you know, well, that really wasn't a, a relapse, you know, and, and, and I always knew it was, you know, so you get caught into just fighting with yourself and lying to yourself and deceiving yourself and you get so caught up in the uh, how long it's been thing. And for me now at this point, you know, I just celebrated a year in April, um, but it, it's it's the miraculous thing about it is uh, is the process and, and, you know, almost like being a child and your parents are trying to teach you something and they just want you to get it, but you don't get it till you're about 35 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the biggest things for me is, is just now uh, gain, gaining a year of sobriety that I, I totally attribute to God uh, in masturbation. That's something that uh, I think every guy, if they're honest, is going to say they struggle with in some capacity. And a lot of people don't fight it. They say it's no big deal. And, uh, you know, God's just really revealed to me a lot about it that I, I know what he's done in my life by removing it. 
for me because I never could have done it myself. So I'm glad you actually said the word. You said masturbation, and I was wondering if this was going to come up because um, you know that that's one, again one of those words that guys um, don't want to say because it's a, a dirty word, if you will. And they say, "Well, okay, um, you know, we'll call it something else." And I, I've heard you call it acting out. It's kind of the word that's used a lot around recovery groups. Am I correct with that? What was that word? Acting out. That's kind of the yeah, word I, I use a lot of times. Act, acting out is the word. You know, I haven't acted out in yeah. so many days or whatever is what they'll say. Yeah. Because I had a buddy of mine. You'll laugh when you hear this. I had another sponsee <laughs> that was struggling with your same issues. And he was kind of ashamed uh, to, to actually say that he was struggling with masturbation. And, he's, and he said, hey, Roger, hey, I'm struggling with that same thing Alan struggles with. <laughs> and, and so that's what I come to know the acting out term and what it meant. And I was like, that is golden because, you know, he just, he didn't have a problem. He, he struggled with what you struggled with, you know. But, um, you know, it's good that you begin talking about um, when you talk about the, the abstinence or the, the sobriety, what it looks like, because. I'm not saying that I don't struggle with being issues like you talk about lust and pornography and, and those different things. And when you look at it from my perspective, I came into recovery dealing with just drugs and alcohol. And I was taught early on that total abstinence, total abstinence is the only way that you can really be sober. And I know some of our listeners, um, they, they won't, they will argue me on this about when we get to Suboxone and uh, methadone and those other things like that. And I, I'm not using that time to get into that. But I do believe in total abstinence if you're going to be, um, you know, sobriety um, for drugs and alcohol. But, you know, when it comes to other things, let's just – you mentioned codependency early. Or if you talk about sexual addiction, does, does lust, does that con- consider a relapse? You know, I, I don't. I know those are very difficult things to define. What it would mean for someone um, with a sexual addiction? Um, how do you define what a relapse looks like in your in your recovery? Uh, for me, I guess uh, what I finally realized. You know, the old saying: if I tell you not to look at that yellow ball over there on the floor, you know, it's going to drive you crazy not to look at it. You know. <laughs> And uh, so I never could, you know, in my own human nature, quit focusing on what a relapse was and uh, what that looked like or, or the sobriety time or, you know, crucifying myself if I messed up, you know. And the whole, that just that's not been the focus this last year. And, and I, I can't explain it other than just uh, a miracle occurred, you know, or, or something finally, you know got hit over the head with it enough times that I finally got it. I don't know, but just maybe it all came, finally came together, but that's not my focus. And I don't even, when I listen to other guys start to talk about that, or I've always, you know, I've been in recovery program where somebody's picking up a chip and they say, tell us how you did it, you know? And, you know, I, I wouldn't even know what to say other than just, it was a, it was a change, a, a change occurred that only God could have did. Cause I, you know, I tried everything I knew how to do, and I think it was eventually just realizing I could not do it. And uh, I can't even tell you, you know, if a parent's trying to explain something to a child, I can't, I couldn't even explain to somebody other than just God did it, you know. Well, you know, what I, what I heard from that, and you may not have said that, but this is what I heard, is that there's, there's a saying that we, we you've heard around recovery and everyone who's been in recovery for any amount of time 
and we say that um, it's one day at a time. And ultimately, that's what I just heard you say. It's not about trying to put together a period of time. You know, as far as relapse, just don't do it today. You know, uh, let's live in sobriety today. Let's not act out today. And we'll stay sober today. And we'll worry about tomorrow when it gets here. And by, instead of looking at the days and keeping a calendar or any of those things, then you're free just to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's exactly, exactly right. Because so I, I was always looking ahead, man, this is when I'm going to get three months or this is when I'm going to get a year, you know, and I just thought that was that was the focus, you know, and uh, that can't be the focus, I don't believe. Almost like counting them days down to like when you're going to get your vacation at work, you know, five more days, six more days. And, you know, instead of getting the, the vacation, you get the chip. And, and honestly, the chips or any of those things that we use in different recovery programs, um, they are beneficial. Maybe they're an encouragement. But, you know, as I've heard you um, allude to from different times as we've talked, um, the chips were almost a discouragement at times because you always felt like you couldn't get to that next one because you were focused too much on the the trophy than the experience, the journey, you know? Yeah, and they don't even in the program I'm using now, uh, 1520, uh, Route 1520, uh, they don't even give chips. You know, there's not even a, a uh, recognition of any type of sobriety at any point other than you just shared it in your, uh, your small group uh, check-in time, you know, how long you have been, you know, sober. So. so let's talk a little bit about how you – we mentioned earlier that um, you kind of came in to recovery to begin with with the ideal just really to share the gospel, I can't I think is maybe the way you put it. And to maybe help some other people with someone else's story, you, you realize that you had a story, um, but you had to begin working on yourself to, to really be able to, sh- I don't know, share that story, maybe not in the right way to say it, but to, um, to develop it enough to where you see hope, you know, a change in that. And sometimes there were relapses in that. And, you know, there was a lot of different things that's happened. It wasn't just like, oh, a light switch went off and Alan never acted out or had a struggle again. Um, what did that? What does it look like in recovery for you? Are there some pointers, some beneficial things you could share with someone else that's struggling with addiction that you've gleaned? Maybe it was through the step study process of where you learned um, something from the past um, that made you do what you did, or maybe uh, a relationship, whatever. You know, uh, I think there's probably something you could talk about there. Yeah. Uh- of course, little things along the way, that would be too many for me to go into and stretch, but uh, try to hit them all. But uh, I think everybody, you know, gets a, a few pieces along the way. They, they begin to string together and maybe later on uh, dots seem to connect. But for me, the biggest the biggest thing was, uh, and you've had this guest on before, um, Art Wembley, uh, I heard his testimony and I really related to it and it was on my heart, you know, for a couple of months to call him and, and reach out. And, uh, it took me, uh, several months to begin that process, but I asked him to sponsor me and, you know, we, he said, well, this is the process I use. So he took me through, uh, we went through the journey continues, uh, step study together. And he said, for this to work, you know, what is it going to take for you to do it? You know, and, uh, again, one of the things I struggle with is, is selfishness with my time and, and effort, you know, and he lived in Chelsea and I knew I wasn't going to drive down and see him every week. So, okay, well, you answer these questions and you screenshot them and send them to me every Monday morning. So there was an accountability piece there. Uh, we met at the end of each book and we would go through it. And, uh, 
but just the, the selflessness that I saw from him in the process and uh and one of the toughest things he did of it you know he did to me at the end of it you know he goes uh well you know this is pretty much going to end our time you know he goes and what you know what i wanted you to take away from this is that you can do what you did with me with anybody you know it just doesn't have to be this quote-unquote sponsor you know you you can if you can find a guy and you can be honest with him and you can talk about things with him and uh you know let that guy hold you accountable and, and, you know, build a relationship there. That's one thing that was always hard for me as a guy was getting close to somebody for, you know, fear of rejection or, hey, they're not going to accept me if they really get to know me, you know. And, uh, you know, he's like, you can do that with anybody. So I struggled for a few months after that, after we kind of ended things there and actually, you know, uh, relapsed after that. And uh, But, you know, looking back on it, every bit of that, was true and, and what I've done is just try to do what I learned from that experience is you know guys in my life that I can be honest with hey if I'm honest with you and you reject me that's fine but the ones that stick around you know I'm going to invest my uh, my efforts into letting them know me and, and return it you know and, and make them feel hopefully enough uh, comfortable hopefully comfortable enough to share what's the struggle in, in their life so that's probably been the biggest thing yeah that's one of the things that drew me to you is we've just made friends over the years. Um, you mentioned years ago when you came into CR. Uh, of course, that's where we met. But that's, and I guess that's where our relationship began. But I began as we shared more. You know, first it started in share groups. I would listen to what you shared, and you seemed um, very sound, even though you were struggling with things. But you seemed sound in your beliefs and your faith. And um, then the more we talked, you sounded more practical um, with just your advice and. So that's one of the reasons I asked you to be my sponsor, but it was mainly um, because you've always been really slow to speak. And I don't know if you've always been that way, um, but I know since, I guess ever since I've known you, you've been pretty pretty slow to, to say things. Even if you get, I've, I don't guess I've ever seen you mad in the sense of, you know, like you would see someone angry, ready to fight, turn red, that type of stuff. I'm sure you get that way. But, um, you know, there's been so many times I've said things that I wish I had not said. There's an old saying, let me see if I can remember, it says something to the, to the effect that I'm, 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 a, I'm a master of words unspoken and a slave to those that are. And um, I, I've always loved the quote, but I practice it very um, little because I, I'm just really quick just to jump off and, and almost times I will pride myself on being so blunt about things but my bluntness often hurts people um i I know you're not ready to answer this but so if you if you can't that's fine but how are some of the ways that you're able to do that and to kind of keep your cool and not really react as fast as say me i I would say everybody but i can't put everybody in my boat but how do you how are you able to do that it's kind of a curse, you know, to a certain degree because it's, uh, you know, I was taught, you know, that I was taught you, you're not supposed to react. It was, uh, you know, a sign of obedience to my dad, the church I grew up in, you know, you didn't back talk your father, uh, you know, or you, or you were going to have heck to pay for it. So it was kind of a, I didn't learn how to express emotions. I, sometimes I wish I could be angrier than I, I get sometimes and, and I've had to learn to be angry at sometimes that anger I was taught anger was a, was a sin 
you know, and, and that, you know, you're going to hell for it. And uh, so I've had to learn to express my emotions. So a lot of times when people say, man, it looks like you're so calm. Well, there's I'm internalizing everything. And I think I have to make you think that everything's all right, because either you're not going to like me or I'm going to be in trouble. There's just a number of different reasons why I felt I couldn't let people see how I really felt. Uh, and be honest with them, and uh, so that's that still challenges me. So uh, it's it's not necessarily something I'm doing right. A lot of times, it's you know I'm not reacting because you know I don't I don't want to react in the wrong way. But I think the people I've gotten to know uh, who have seen me react sometimes they appreciate the honesty at the end of it. You know, and no, I mean I have I put my fist through the wall before. You know. Uh, my son, he, he's challenged me uh, some of the most angry times were <laughs> with him, you know, growing up. So he's 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 probably seen me angrier than than anybody. But uh, I get it. But yeah, that, that that is a good point though to talk about how you internalize it. You know, I've never really even thought that part of it is is as long as we've been friends, I've never really thought of it that way. Because like for me, even though I kind of fly off the handle and say words that I, I sometimes regret. I say them so that I don't internalize them. Like I can, I, if you make me mad, I can literally just say something to you and I'll probably say something and throw a dagger at you. If you know what I mean, something that I shouldn't say, but uh, I'm done with it. Like I don't think about it no more. I, I forget it. Whereas you may not say anything, but then you walk around thinking about it the rest of the night. And um, so I guess it's just two different points of view. Huh? So um, anyways, um, um, Another thing I want to talk to you about, and we we got a little bit here, is that um, you mentioned that you're fixed to come up on a one-year sobriety. And we're not counting days or any of those things, but I know that something's big is happening within this past year. um, And that is your wife now. Um, And so talk to me about what it's looked like in this past year. I mean, I know she's not the only good thing that's happened, but you've been, um, you know, Talk to me about the changes, what sobriety's look like for you this past year. Oh, well, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful. I do believe that uh, there was a reason God convicted me, uh, I guess, 2007 uh, to to not have sex anymore outside of a uh, marital relationship. And uh, I went through a, a, a long journey with that, you know, dated a lot of people, uh, had to rationalize a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, that was always the deal breaker and finally got to a point where I, I told myself, God, you know, if you intend for me to ever get married, uh, you're going to have to put that person there because I don't believe I don't believe in this day and time there's ever going to be a person who would be willing to uh, to not do that, you know, to hold off until marriage. And uh, just the blessing that we both talk about, we've received from that. I mean, we really pray in that God would you know, give us a platform to share that with others. Uh, you know, even somebody who's, you know, maybe started down that road that it's not too late. Cause I remember a, a person we both know, uh, I remember hearing them share with somebody that once you do that, you know, you can't get it back. And, uh, I don't believe that, you know, cause I had a lot of, uh, you know, abusive type of relationships and mostly abusive to myself, you know, using that as a reason to have a relationship, you know, and thinking that was going to fix everything. And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, they always say in born again, virgin, I mean, I really believe that God, you know, you know, made me a born again, virgin as well, because, uh, I experienced something that I believe it was in the way he designed and a commitment with him 
as the pursuit, you know, uh, of my affection and him as the pursuit, pers- him as the pursuit of her affection, you know, and it's increased our relationship with him, uh, both, uh, together and individually, you still have to continue to pursue a relationship with God individually and not lose yourself in a marriage as well. So, uh, and we're challenged, you know, we both, uh, uh, live apart right now and uh, with children who are in various stages of their life. Uh, but what we continually remind each other is just uh, the need to, when we start feeling those emotions where we feel like we got to control it or letting it stress us out, we both always point ourselves back to our relationship with God and praying about it. And I think that's because that was the primarily, that was the primary focus of our, our dating and friendship was always, it was always about God. It was never about sex, you know, so uh, if anybody gets anything, you know, that's that, you know, that that, that can be done with God's help. And uh, there is a, a big reward for it, you know, and not a selfish reward, you know. I mean, it's some, some, something that's, you know, is undescribable. Now, I think that's awesome that I've seen you guys go through it. And, you know, I know you were both married previously and um, different things happen with both of those marriages. But, um I've seen you guys kind of do this do-over, if you will, um, to where you both took it slow. Um, like you say, it was your relationship wasn't built on sex or affection for one another. I know that was part of it, the affection or whatever. But, um, you know, it was really built on God, and it was it was a really slow process. In fact, I was at times going, dude, are you ever going to get married? You know, thinking, when you go pull the trigger. and um, But it was really... You know, it was not a rush thing, and I've seen how happy y'all are together, and it's really a true testimony of how God can even use previous, I don't even want to call them mistakes, um, but circumstances, and change them and really make them new and fresh again. Uh, I think you used the word like born-again virgin. Uh, just because, you know, you may have lost your virginity in high school doesn't mean that you just continue to just live this crazy wild life. You can change and do it differently the second go-around. It's the same thing that it comes even with me with drug addiction. Just because I did it before don't mean that that's, that gives me my identity. My identity's found in Christ. And so that's a cool thing that I've picked up along the way as well. Um, you know, in, in my beginning of recovery, it didn't start with Jesus. It, it started with just a concept of God. And if our listeners are there, I think that it's okay to start there. But uh, ultimately, uh, I pray that you find um, that as you go on uh, about your journey in recovery. And um, it's been pretty cool to see you mature and grow in your faith. And I know you've certainly helped me in my faith. And I believe that you'll continue to do that because we still talk, um, you know, I was going to say, well, we, we talk often. It's probably the best way to say that. So now there's something we do with all of our guests. Um, and I'm going to do it with you as well. I have prepped you with our final four questions. Um as I, I share with one of our previous guests, some of this is really just selfishness on my part, especially the first question, because I love to read books that help me become a better person, to help me grow, um, and I know you're that same type of person. Um, and so the first question is this, um, can you name a book other than the Bible? Because Christians always want to share the Bible. Um, and I, I, I know that's probably one that you would go to, but can you name a book other than the Bible that has changed the way you look in an area of your life? 
Yeah, for me, uh, a lot, like you said, self-help books. And I, and I was thinking they're really not self-help books because uh, you don't just necessarily have the problem fixed when you get to the end of the book. They're more self-awareness books. <laughs> uh, but one that's really helped me, it's by uh, Karen Casey. It's called Let Go Now. And uh, it's entitled Embracing Detachment, uh, Setting Boundaries and Making Your Life Your Own. And it's these devotions. It's like 200 devotions in here. And I do one every Sunday. And so I've been doing it, you know, almost two years now. Obviously, you know, I'm at 100 and you know, one every week. Uh, but I just try to reflect on what that devotion tells me each week and uh, just learning, you know, how detachment affects codependency uh, and how you feel like, you know, you have to do certain things or have certain people accept. You know, it's just it's so deep. This book is really, uh, I'm going to say, challenged me. It hasn't changed me, but it's challenged me. Oh, that's cool. Um, I was I was fixing a joke with you, but I could tell it looked like you probably had the book with you. Um, yeah, that's right. Here. Okay, um, because I was going to ask you if you had it or if you checked it out of the library. Because you and I are both that tight that we don't like to spend a lot of money, um, and so I, I jokingly say that. But if you're that same type of person as me and Alan that we like to say frugal, um, then you can always check a lot of these books out from the library and not spend a dollar on them and see if you like them. All right. So number two, if you had a blank billboard to share advice with the world. What phrase would you put on it? Uh, for me, being an impulsive person, uh, I just chose one word, pause. 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 You, see, that's exactly how I, I feel like when I ask you a question. That's what I get from you is just a pause. There's times I've asked you stuff, and I thought to myself, you have got to answer me, and you don't do anything. You just pause. So. So uh, give, give me some feedback. Why, why pause? I know, I know I told you from the beginning you didn't really have to explain that, but I, I am curious of why, why pause. Just Let's just say it comes from my dad. You know, I think if you're listening to somebody, uh, if you're truly going to listen to them, you're not going to uh, be thinking about what you're going to say or thinking about how you don't agree with their assessment or, or you're already looking. They didn't really hear what you said and, you're, and you want to get – you can't wait to get a them to hush so you can go right back in and say no it's you know it's like you never really listen to what people say you know so that's something i really watched my dad when he was speaking to other people it always seemed like he wasn't hearing what they were saying and uh so i think everybody's got a perspective uh, you know i think there's a lot of situations where we think we're right or wrong and it's just a perspective scenario and so uh, for that that's what the pause is is just pause and just listen to somebody pause your response Pause your thoughts. Just listen to them and not be afraid of not even having anything to say and some a little bit of silence there when they're done talking, you know. Great advice. All right, so our third question. When talking about the 12 steps, what is your favorite step? Well, for me, uh, I always am supposed to say 12, you know, and uh, for a long time I thought that was the right answer, and, and, I, and I loved three and six for a long time. But uh, – took me forever to get one and uh just uh powerless powerlessness was something i never could admit myself uh something changed uh for me last year when i realized if i was going to do it i had to truly trust god with it and uh you know i just asked him and i'll just be honest with you it was getting married uh with all those struggles i didn't want to put her through that i didn't want all the the uh everything that would come if, if she caught me or something, you know, looking at something. I didn't want to put her through that or myself 
really either. So I was like, God, I, I can't get, I can't do that. I can't get married. You know, um, if this is what you want, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take that because I've never been able to do it. And uh, so step one would probably obviously have to be for me because I guess I finally, God finally did that for me. And uh, that's when some change took place. That's awesome. You know, out of the guests, I, I don't know, we've had, probably had a dozen or so guests on here over the uh, year and a half or so that we've been doing this. And I always catch myself not pausing, but trying to think which step are they going to pick and trying to make an assessment in my head. And I have not got it right yet out of any guest we've had. So um, anyways, that's just a little tidbit for you to know about me now. Um, our last question is this, and this our, we, we, we send this out for our listeners, so maybe they've heard your story, there's something they can glean from it, um, or maybe we'd like to know more about you. Um, how can our people, how can our listeners reach you? Uh, I'll go to church every week at Calvary Baptist in Concord, uh, Bessemer, Alabama, and uh, just my email, uh, Demarco at gmail.com. J. Allen DeMarco at gmail.com. Cool deal, man. Um, yeah, I would um, I'd just like to say thanks, man, um, to come on here and share from your heart. Um, I know that it's difficult sometimes to do that um, without feeling judged, or it, it has been for me in the past. Now it almost comes second nature because I've done it so much. Um, but it is difficult to talk about difficult things that sometimes are taken out of context and thought about differently. Uh, but it is just, it's reality that men struggle um, with all kinds of things. And sexual addiction is one of those things. Whether you're married or not married, uh, it is a, a, it's a desire that men just, they struggle with. And so it takes men like you who are open and honest to be willing to say, that, yeah, I struggle with that too. Um, I think that's where recovery begins for all of us. And so um, even those years ago when we met and it was about your uncle's struggle, um, I admire you today for saying this is my struggle. And, man, what a powerful testimony that is to know that you have your story of what God has been bringing you from. So um, thanks again for being on the show. Um, you know, you guys who are listening to us, we want to thank you each and every week that you come on here and share or, or listen to us share about what God has done in our life. And if you've got a story, a testimony that you'd like to be aired um, on, the, on the show, then we would love to hear from you. Um, you can send that to us at SoberHolicPodcast at gmail.com. Again, um, any story that you have, is it your story? Is it a story of a friend's? Um, um, whatever that is, send it to us. We would like to hear it, hear about it, and maybe we can use it on the show at SoberHolicPodcast at gmail.com. So with all those things, man, um, just want to say thanks one more time, and that's it. I'm Roger, and I am signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberHolicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.